0: Nothing wrong with your station. We are attempting to decalcify your third eye. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. And I am your host, JF Bay, And I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. As we continue on with the book report series, I got another powerful book I want you guys to add To your libraries Powerful And we're talking about True history Right Because our history Is world history So they try to minimize it And they get so-called Black history And so-called American history When The whole conversation Is global So I qualify This particular book and And it Ties in With all the other books In the series So when you take away from this series you're going to see a collage of buried history that provides a broader perspective to where we can start to look at our story because I'm not a historian per se right that's dealing with his story I'm more like a our story right because I'm focusing on uncovering the buried story that's our story so this particular book is very key in history because all through uh um, history classes they've never talked about these wars in fact these wars tie directly to the timeline of so-called slavery and when they keep you know mentioning you know this uh middle passage and you know not denying that this stuff didn't happen but i'm just trying to put it in context because they have us to believe that these uh hundreds of ships were going back and forth from Africa to America, dropping off people from Africa. When I'm debunking this story that the people were already here on the land. Now, <laughs> go back to, 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 to the books in the in the series and you'll see that the dots are starting to connect. So at the same time that these so-called ships were going to Africa to pick up people, if if they found your ship in the harbor, they would enslave these. Inhabitants on the ship, i.e., these so-called whites were being enslaved in Africa. <laughs> if they found your ship cruising, you ever heard of the term uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Johnny Depp, the series that they showed, and they made it more of a fantasy. But the Pirates of the Caribbean was 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 talking about the Barbary Wars, i.e., the Barbary slave trade, the Barbary slave trade. We're talking about the Moors now. The coast of Morocco, Tripoli, right? Algiers. So now, remember, Morocco was the kingdom of Africa. So now you had to show up near Morocco to do business or to do any kind of trade near there. And these so called U.S. ships did not have independence at the time, they just got their independence from Britain and anybody. Uh, that wanted to molest these ships, anybody that wanted to come on your ship and extort you, take your cargo, take your your inhabitants, they could. So, it's kind of weird to say that these uh, so-called ships were all traveling to Africa to pick up slaves to bring them all to America, which is impossible, because if their ship was found in the harbor, these so-called whites (laughs) were getting enslaved. In fact, I'm going to go over an excerpt in a book Where there was one of the U.S. ships that was seized And the so-called white people in the churches were raising money To to, to pay for the ransom for their enslaved uh, white brethren So this book is very, very powerful And as I said, all through my history classes They never talked about these wars When this was, the, in fact, the very pivotal point Where the Navy was created the Marines the, These, these uh, offices Or these uh, departments Wouldn't exist in our military Defense if it wasn't for these wars Because these wars created The need for them to create Gunships and all this other stuff Because they was getting their ass kicked on them seas And to tie this Into history It's crazy that Hashtag where are the slave ships You can't find any of the slave ships Today and I'm talking about, you know, they don't have none docked in a museum. They, they can't show you pictures of any of these slave ships. In fact, if you did your research, all of the slave ships mysteriously were destroyed. either sunk, caught on fire, right? And the only uh, so-called slave ship they have today is a replica in Merlin. right? Now, if you had all these ships that were in great condition, that made all these successful trips back and forth from Africa, bringing thousands and millions of so-called people from Africa, then it serves to say that you would have some of these ships still intact today, right? Or at least you would have some photographs of these of these ships and photographs of these people on the ships, because that's another farce that they push on us, right? They show that in photographs, but they're paintings, right? These are not actual like Polaroids, right? And they had, you know, they had the ability to take pictures in these times, right? So now, they never show you this famous picture of these so-called Africans stacked like sardines, you know, from head to foot, you know, crammed in a ship. They only show you paintings because that's the propaganda. They they never transported no people from Africa in that condition. In fact, a lot of the so-called ships that came from Europe brought over white slaves, many of them children. Go back into the series of the book report. And again, the trip from africa to america you're talking about several months on the seas you have no uh food for these so-called thousands of people you got on the ship uh you got the weight keep in mind the weight of the ship then you know where's the water for these people to drink you're talking about three four months on the ship right they didn't have you know engines back then right these were sailboats and where did you have all the you know the food the water for your crew as well as for your captives? it's impossible what is what are they gonna drink salt water like none of this shit makes sense because it's all designed right to just leave you in a state of suspended animation thinking about this happening because you see it in a movie when it's a movie but the movie plays on your subconscious so we all seen uh amistad and all this other shit and we just oh my god this is how they was transporting us and you just stay angry to looking at science and say, yo, how, how, how could that happen? So so, what kind of condition would these people would have showed up if they, three or four months on the high seas, no, no food, right? They showed they was giving them slop in the Roots movie. That was all propaganda. They show you that, you know, they were drinking like a little bit of uh, water out of a ladle. Like you get a sip of water a day. What kind of condition would these people would have been in if they showed up malnourished? You know what I'm saying? Dehydrated. How could they go to work? So it's like you purchased a, a person For your property, so to speak, right? It's your product And what kind of condition was the person When they showed up, right? And in fact, as I went earlier in the series They they talk about, you know, the natives The indigenous people, us Being able to work the land Many of the so-called whites That started the colonies That were indigenous servants Working the colonies They didn't know how to Plant food on the land. So why would you take someone from Africa that don't know the land here and just wing it and say, yo, they're going to grow all our crops for us. Wouldn't you enslave the people that's already on the land that's already been growing crops since millennia? Right. Now you remember Roanoke, anybody from Roanoke, Virginia, Roanoke was the first colony before uh, the one they set up in Jamestown, Right. 1619. That the one they keep telling us slavery started in 1619. But, Roanoke was the very first colony before they started the the, the the main one that we talk about. And, in fact, there were hundreds of so-called white settlers, indentured servants, poor whites. They don't want to tell you. They masked the identity. These people all died out. And that first colony was unsuccessful. The people died out. The crops dried up. They don't want to tell you about that. So, where did you get all these people from a foreign land to bring them to the land to work a land when you couldn't work the land because you didn't know the soil see a lot of this stuff is mixed up but now we qualify this because as i said all of these books are connected right they're written by different authors different time periods but as i said i'm an our historian. right i'm digging to uncover our story and it's hidden in a lot of these books but if you don't know the context you'll read one of these books and then you know you you won't put the the pieces together and this is what I'm here to do right and this is what the book report series is about qualifying a lot of uh great literature that you know all of us should have in our libraries that we could pass on to the babies to where they get the story right they're not running around out my ancestors were slaves like we off that you know what I'm saying like they just had to Fucking march the other day with uh Zoom call president, right? can can that weekend at Biden's, the Zoom call president and Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and these niggas is marching, you know, the the uh the bloody Sunday anniversary, right? When uh, you know, the Selma Bridge uh protests where Martin Luther King and all of them were marching and you know the cops, the government fucked up the people just for marching peacefully, but this nigga standing with old-ass Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. And it's like, my nigga, what y'all, what y'all celebrating? Nothing's changed since these protests in the 60s. Because they still have not honored what they said they were going to honor with our people. Right? But it's all just a token. It's just a picture. It's like, you know, the Bernie Sanders. I marched with Martin Luther King. My nigga, what changed? homie? Like, who gives a fuck if you marched with Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King ain't here no more. But when he made his transition, before he made his transition, what did he say? I feel as though I integrated my people into a burning house. Because he figured out that, man, we just signed this Civil Rights Bill 1964, I hope they honor it. But Martin Luther King finds out there was a Civil Rights Bill of 1868, 100 years before this nigga was even born, that they never honored. (laughs) Because remember, if everyone's created equal, you don't need civil rights. Civil is like, yo, just treat me kind of okay. Treat me decent on the surface. But if I'm equal and all the rights apply to me, we ain't got to get in the streets and protest, my nigga. We're going to deal with this accordingly. And that's the, the elephant in the room that this country, this administration, administration has not addressed. And we all as a people have to look at that because there's more shootings and, and, and more cover-ups and... Politicians And all these people looking the other way Judges, all kind of shit And it's consistently happening to one group of people I'm not on my soapbox We ain't no victims, we ain't talking that We're the victors We're talking about making this shit right For the future of the babies Because if this same type of policies These same type of policies are allowed to continue What do you think the future looks like For your children and their children It's like we just passed the buck now know what I'm saying? And, and what, what, what your grandchildren are going to be still talking about the protests in the 60s? Nah, my nigga. At some point, a victory has to be reached. We ain't victims. We talking about the victory that they keep giving us the illusion that, we have, that we've obtained. Not so. So let me qualify this book here, right? The Barbary Wars. American Independence in the Atlantic World by Frank Lambert. Add this book to your library, guys. So let's open up. Do me a favor. Get your pens, your, your pads. You know what I'm saying. Take your notes. You know, get your, your sea moss. Roll up your herbs. Take your herbs. Get your tea. Whatever you need to do. Get situated. And we about to have a awesome ride, real quick. So let's hop into that that DeLorean. You know what I'm saying? We about to ghost ride the whip. Let's hop into that DeLorean and we transport our mentals back in time to put this. True story in context. So we open up, and this book also has a lot of great maps in it too. You want to see, you know, older maps because this is how they they mess with uh, history, right? When they start uh, modernizing the maps, you can't uh, conceptualize the times, right? Because if I change the maps to modern, the lands that were called such and such today wasn't called the same names of old. So we we already get get lost in the timeline because when you start changing the name of the land, you start changing the name of the people of the land. And then now the story gets convoluted. So now the introduction. On September 3rd, 1783, all of these dates and all this stuff is significant because remember 1681 was when they first created the concept of free white persons Or, or rather, we're going to call these groups of people so-called white people Before that, these niggas were slaves of all colors, all kinds You know what I'm saying? From all different lands Because it was about human labor It wasn't about, you know, crayons Are we going to enslave this particular people? That came later When the elite was, you know, filling some kind of way When all of these oppressed people of all different nations Were going to rise up against them and fuck up their money. So they had to find a way to create a new class system. So now in 1783, Britain recognized American independence by agreeing to the terms of long-awaited peace treaty. Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and John Jay, commissioners of the US Congress, and David Hartley, uh, Minister of minister for Parliament, signed the accord at Paris preliminary articles of peace had been negotiated almost a year earlier now they're talking about this peace with them in Britain remember they was going to war with Britain but then remember Britain financed the colonies so we talk about one in the same now this whole so-called uh, administration here is still under the crown they're still under British rule so-called America stills paid still pays tribute to the Queen right it's so all of this stuff is, is significant. It's all of this stuff is tied together as well. Preliminary articles of peace had been negotiated almost a year earlier, but reaching a final settlement had been a long, contentious process. Arriving in Philadelphia on Saturday. Now, remember, Philadelphia was the first uh, location for the so-called White House. Now if you haven't seen the movie National Treasure, it shows you that right? We keep thinking Washington, D.C. Philadelphia was the first capital. All of this is key because they had a ship called the Philadelphia that got seized by the Moors. Now, keep in mind, the Moors lost their stronghold in 1492, the last uh, stand in Granada over there by La Florida, Land of Flowers. All of this is key, because remember, the Seminole Wars and all that, they were fighting the same people, Moors, melanated people. Now, they say that the Moors supposedly disappeared off the face of the earth, 1492. Well, what happened 1492? Columbus starts sailing and shit, and he starts showing up to a land where these people were already there. They changed the name of your people to hide the people. If I want to steal the land, and these people are already on the land, I just changed their name and say they're foreigners. They came from somewhere else. See how this works? Webster's uh, Merriam Dictionary, 1878, which was later changed the original definition for America, the copper-colored natives, here before Columbus arrived, later changed to the descendants of Europeans. They traded places with us. This land was called America before these niggas even discovered it. America predates... The, the, the propaganda that, that's online You know on TikTok And everybody's talking about America Named America That's all cat my nigga You gotta dig deeper Because there's older maps that predate that That spell America out in, in variations Different uh, ways they spell it And they show uh, America They show uh, a melanated sister With a fro And some feathers in her head There goes that so called Indian connection because the, the whole term Indian didn't refer to... Remember they told us when we was in school, we was kids? Well, Columbus thought he was going to India, so he called the people Indian. My nigga, that shit's all cat. <laughs> remember, Queen Isabella, King Ferdinand, they funded this nigga's expedition. So they knew where the fuck he was going. They, they gave him the bag to get there. And he was looking for gold. And go back to the earlier book report series. Columbus's quest to find Jerusalem. And he's talking about Jerusalem here in the Americas. See, the whole story of the Bible is talking about this land over here, the true Garden of Eden. But catch up. Catch that uh, series. I mean, catch that episode earlier in the series. But I'm showing you the connection with all of this. But let's get back. Let's get back. I don't want to digress too far, but I just try to give some footnotes while I'm reading. So this stuff starts to snap in place for my my listeners, right? So uh, arriving in Philadelphia on Saturday... November twenty second, aboard the French uh, packet courier de la Europe. John Thaxer, private secretary to John Adams, delivered to delivered the treaty to Congress. As word spread, Americans everywhere celebrated. New Yorkers and braggadocious numbers poured out onto the bowling green, the bowling green in the Broadway of a grand fireworks display that exceeded every former exhibition in the United States. The treaty's publication in Providence, Rhode Island, was literally an earth-shaking event. Just hours after the treaty appeared, an earthquake leveled a beacon tower erected at the commencement of the late war. One local commentator saw the act as a providential sign that British oppression had been toppled and American independence was now a reality. British oppression so they were being oppressed and then they later started to oppress a people Hmm. one year after the Courier de Europe arrived in Philadelphia with the good news of independence the crew of the Philadelphia Brigade lost their independence when a band of Barbary pirates captured their vessel and took them prisoner US Council at Madrid William Carmichael sent a terse official dispatch to Benjamin Franklin in Paris, informing him of this violation of American independence. In the month of November 1st, received advice from Cadiz of the capture of an American vessel by a corsair of the Emperor of Morocco. We're talking about Africa. Pay attention. So now, these co-seers, right? Now, you got these people in these so-called lodges and these clubs. And, you know, you got a lot of these uh, so-called masons, right? Now, we are masons by birth. I am my mother's son. My son. My son is mason. Masonry is the connection between mother and son and the planets in the cosmos. See, by birth, we are masons. But these oath-taking people in the lodges, thinking they got secrets to tell you and all this other bullshit, got you doing funny rituals... All of these so-called Europeans, these Shriners, and all these people that wear the Fez, the fez of Morocco. Why do they wear the fez? It's all connected to the Moors, our bloodline, that they're trying to steal by way of calling you a misnomer. Negro, blacks, colors, African-American, all these fake names that don't tie you to the land or any land for that matter. So now, their, their ships, their ship got seized. The ship called the Philadelphia, remember, the capital, of the country with so-called Philadelphia, not Washington, D.C. So let's put it in context. So now their ship got seized. Now, these Shriners, they all have this annual convention where these Europeans all ride around in little red Corvettes. Little red Corvettes. Where the fuck does that come from? The Moors, that so they call these pirates. They had these little boats that had like motors on them. They were fast like red Corvettes. They were the corsairs So these little red little boats would, would line up against your, your ship. They would hop on and they would seize your ship. And they would enslave these white people on the ship. And they would become white slaves. So if at the time so-called United States got their independence from Britain, but they wasn't independent because they had nobody backing them on those seas... How were they able to go back and forth from Africa stealing people? If they got spotted, these niggas would be enslaved. You see the cap that they've been pushing through history? <laughs> but let's go on. So they got their ship seized by the Emperor of Morocco. Now, if you look at a map, Morocco is the gateway to Africa. That was the Kingdom of Africa. Now, if you pay attention and you see how this works, uh, Columbus never stepped foot in America. He made it to South America. In fact, the furthest he made it originally was the Canary Islands. The Canary Islands is like 300 miles off the coast of Morocco. Attention. As details as details emerged, Americans learned that the brig Betsy, under the command of Captain James Irwin, had been sailing from Cadiz to Tener- Tenerife when a band of pirates overtook the ship, swarmed aboard, and took the crew captive and demanded the payment of tribute to prevent future captures. This particular group of pirates were known throughout Europe as Salih, Salih rovers, so-called because they sailed from their base at the Morocco port of Salih on the Atlantic. Of course, the designation pirate Dependent on one's perspective to Europeans and Americans the rovers were robbers on the high seas and thus pirates Henceforth Pirates of the Caribbean. It's where all this shit comes from Of course the destination pirate right to Europeans and Americans the rovers were robbers on the high seas and thus pirates But to Moroccans they were at worst privateers Sailing under the king's flag and at best commercial capitalists, seeking profit in the highly competitive Atlantic. So they wasn't pirates. Like, oh, these are criminals. Nah, they like you don't have no no uh, authorization to be on these seas. So if you got no nation backing you, nobody of importance of prominence, we taking your shit. Get out of lay down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So how is it? As I said, if they were seizing these ships just for being seen near the damn coast of Africa how are they docking there and picking up millions of people that makes no fucking sense that only happened in the movies and they got a stake in this all the middle passage and millions of people died yo I'm not trying to say don't have a heart For for our story I'm trying to tell you That they told us this story Incorrectly on purpose To to make us Non-descendable Right? To make us to, To basically Make sure we're not heirs To claim Of this vast estate Owners of this land Of all the continents Right? Because remember If I'm in Philly South Philly And North Philly I'm still in Philly Henceforth North America South America This is the largest of all the continents, and they got you thinking this too, like it's separate, when all of this shit belonged to indigenous people, but they got you thinking that all the people were different, when that's not so. Remember, the Mississippi River connects to the Nile River. We've been going back and forth for Africa thousands of years during trade, before these so-called white people even showed up. But let's get back that was not the the world american that was not the world americans had a vision when no hold up i don't want to skip anything to europeans and americans the rovers were robbers on a high seas right okay and by whatever designation the moroccans reminded americans that they that they that when they traded overseas they operated within a tribute demanding world now you know what that means tribute ain't like yo Shout me out. Tribute is like, when I seize your ship, you got to pay the ransom or we keep your people enslaved. (laughs) See what's going on? So (laughs) these so-called pirates or these moors were seizing so-called U.S. ships, enslaving the people and demanding tribute, ransom money. I got to pay up to get your white slaves back. (laughs) You don't say. That was not the world Americans had envisioned. When they uh, severed ties with Great Britain, long restrained it, long restrained it by Britain's Navigation Acts. Nearly all Americans wished to be freed from the odd colonial trade restrictions, and many embraced the principle of free trade. Indeed, before declaring political independence in July 1776, remember everybody celebrates the Fourth of July. All of this shit is key. Who was they trying to be independent from? Britain, the crown. But remember, still to this day, they pay tribute to Britain. Let's pay attention. So now, it uh, goes on to say in 1776, the Continental Congress had declared commercial independence in September, in December of 1775. Now, why did they call it the Continental Congress? And what I said, if I'm in Philly, North Philly, South Philly, I'm still in Philly. North America, South America, I'm still in America. That's why they called it the Continental Congress. And they had 14 presidents before George Washington. 14 of these presidents were melanated people. This is what they hide in the history. But we're going to uncover it. In direct defiance of Parliament's uh, Restraining Act, which closed American ports to ships from countries other than Great Britain, Congress opened the ports to ships of all nations except Britain. The, delega- the, the delegates understood that their action meant war. As Maryland's Samuel Chase uh, subtly put it, when you once offer your trade to foreign nations away with all hopes of reconciliation, though they wanted access to wider markets and freedom from trade restrictions, colonial merchants had enjoyed certain benefits by trading with Britain's closed colonial system. One erroneous advantage was the protection of American merchant vessels under treaties that English monarchs had negotiated with the Barbary states and enforced when necessary with the British Navy. The Treaty of Peace and Commerce between Charles II and the Day of Algiers dated April 10th, 1682, pay attention, 1682, remember 1681, they created this concept of we gonna call these people white class. And at 1681, they had so-called white slaves in America that you would call indentured servants when it all started out as indentured servitude because these companies that are now Fortune 500, 100 companies today, they were bonding companies. And they would lease out human labor of all colors. This was all a business. So we gotta put this in perspective. In 1682, covered all the dominions and subjects of either side. This is key because they signed these treaties with Morocco and they signed the treaty with the subjects of Morocco, i.e., these descendants of Moroccans moors i.e our people see the connection here when i say you are of a moorish bloodline i'm not saying you in no club you in no temple i'm speaking of these people that were from africa and america at the same time because remember the continents were all connected at one time so we talking about family on both sides but for the sake of this conversation they signed these treaties that you know hey man we're not gonna go to war with y'all Please don't fuck with our ships if we're over there or we're trying to do business. So this is why they have this uh, peace and freedom, uh the peace and friendship treaty with America, right? So-called America and Africa. All of this is key because it all comes into perspective later as we get into the book. So now, it provided that English ships may safely come to the port of Algiers... Or any other port or place of the kingdom that freely they're freely to buy and sell, and they would be allowed to depart from thence when, when, when's over they they please without any stop or hindrance whatsoever. Moreover, all British ships shall freely pass the seas and traffic without any search. When an Algerian warship spotted a vessel flying the English flag the captain would dispatch a boat with two sailors to board and inspect the ship. If the captain of the English ship produced a pass under the hand and seal of the Lord High Admiral of England, the said uh, boat shall presently depart and the merchant ship or vessel shall proceed freely on a voyage. The day further promised that no British subject would be brought or sold or made slaves in any part of the kingdom of Algiers. So you had the emperor over in Africa enslaving these white people if they showed up near the ports and they didn't have no permission to be there. All of this is very significant because how were they going around cruising for, for millions of slaves from Africa when these niggas could be enslaved at any time? Make it make sense. Now remember... This is the the treaty that Britain had with Morocco. But then remember, America was like under the arm, under the deodorant of Britain, right? Remember, they were called the British colonies. And remember, uh, 1776, they talked about their independence and dependence from who? From Britain, because they were still under the arm, still under the deodorant, getting sunned. Even as Congress boldly declared independence from Britain, the delegates recognized that American merchant sailors and shipping became fair game to the pirates of Morocco, Algiers, Tunis, and Tripoli. According to the wartime Congress, sought a new protector and found one in Britain's arch enemy, France, which promised in the 1778 Treaty of Amity and Commerce, Amity and Commerce to use its good offices to protect American interests against the Barbary pirates. They're all talking about Moors. Now remember, as I mentioned, the the before the British uh, before the Barbary Wars, there was no navy. There was no Marines. They were created after these Barbary Wars that took place. Now. There's a a song that the Marines sing from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. Montezuma's in America. Tripoli's in Africa. There's your so-called African-American. They were fighting your people. So they hide the fact of who who are the Moors, who are of the Moorish bloodline. So we're not just talking about everybody that we're a fez that's in the lodge. That's not what we're talking about. That's how they play everybody where you think it's some religious thing. When we're speaking of bloodline And ownership to the land Let's continue After the war The United States tried to re-enlist Britain's good offices In protecting American ships In the Mediterranean The most powerful force in the Atlantic England and the Royal Navy See, England and the Royal Navy America didn't have a Navy at the time Exercised more influence Over the Barbary states Than did any of Europe's other Marine time powers. Thus Congress sought two treaties from Whitehall, one a peace treaty that so-called defined, the so-called definitive treaty recognizing US independence and the other a commercial treaty giving American vessels free and equal access to all ports without harassment, including that from the Barbary pirates. While it was signed, while it was signing the treaty of Paris, Parliament determined that the proposed commercial treaty was not in Britain's best interest. Indeed, many British merchants and politicians took the view that the Barbary pirates could be useful allies in dwarfing the Americans' goal of free trade, which the British viewed as an anthem to their existing trade advantages. If the pirates allowed the expanding American merchant fleet to sail unfettered, the British would suffer in two ways. They would lose their carrying trade, and low-cost American uh, produce would take market, would take market share in the Mediterranean ports. If world demand, if world demand were unchanging and mer- uh, mercantilist deemed it to be, then international commerce was indeed a zero-sum game that the upward United States threatened. Uh, Mercantilists imagined a world of nation states, nation states, locked into perpetual conflict over the acquisition of wealth. Measured in gold and silver, the world's wealth, they argued, was fixed, and one country's gain was the other's loss. So remember, each, each state in America is in that a nation state. Each state is a particular nation how do, we, how do we prove that? You heard of extradition laws, right? If one thing happens in one country They ship you back to the country of origin If you flee to go to another country I.e., right? You go to one state, you do a crime And you flee to another state They gotta ship you back to to the, the state Where the crime actually happened That state has jurisdiction But each state is their own country This is why all of the 50 states have their own constitution there's two constitutions, the federal constitution and each of the states have their own constitutions that read identical. That's key. Goes on to say uh, where are we measured in gold and silver, the world's wealth, they argue, was fixed in one country's gain was the other's loss. The surest path to riches was for a nation to establish a closed trading system in which colonies shipped value, valuable commodities only to the mother country and brought manufactured goods exclusively from the mother country. For maximum effectiveness, a nation would buy nothing from another state and would not ship goods and vessels belonging to other countries. Threatening that system and those nations who benefited by it were free trade Americans who wanted to eliminate protective tariffs, taxes, right? and open world markets to every country on equal basis. Now, remember, that's talking about how to amass riches for your country, import and export, where, you know, your country makes a particular amount of goods and you sell it to other nations, but you don't buy goods from other nations, right? You basically get them to buy the stuff that you produce, kind of like GDP. All right, so we're going to bounce around to a few other sections. The Moroccan capture of the Betsy, the the Betsy, when when I name all these names, they're names of ships. And ironically, all the names of ships are named after like women. The Moroccan capture of the Betsy and the Algerian uh, taking of the Daphne, right? The Daphne is another ship. And the Maria were the opening encounters in the so-called Barbary Wars. So the Barbary Wars jumped off when three of these American ships were seized by Moors in Africa. jumped off the so-called Barbary Wars a 33 year period of tension between the United States and the Barbary States and when we talk about the Barbary States we're talking about Morocco we're talking about Algiers Tunis and Tripoli so now the Barbary Wars lasted for 33 years now I don't know about you you guys listening in but I can attest all of through all through my schooling and all of my history classes they never talked about the Barbary Wars why we're talking about like six or seven presidents that had to address this war, all these administrations, and the war was for 33 years. <laughs> Masonry, 33 degrees, right? But how, how does a war last for 33 years and they don't give any classes on this shit in history? Why didn't they Why didn't they tell us about this? Why didn't they tell you about the ship, the Intrepid, that, that's over there in New York City? Why didn't they tell you about, why was that ship created? Where did that ship come from? And it's actually the remake because it's a part two. The first Intrepid was a a ship that was seized during the Barbary Wars that became like a tribute that France gave to America. Hey, y'all can take this. We seized the ship during the war and they got it in the harbor. Like it's some prowess or some uh, accolades or some shit when all through the history in this country and curriculums, they never talked about these wars. Wonder why Because then you would have to talk about the descendants of the people you were fighting The same people that you would later enslave in your colonies The same people that you would classify as Negro, Blacks, and Colors That you would have still marching in the streets screaming at their life matters Oh, those people Continued on to say The Barbary Wars A 33-year period of tension between the United States and the Barbary States That included two wars in the Mediterranean the, Trip- the Tripolitian War, 1804 to 1805. And the Algerian War, 1816, 1815 to 1816. Thomas Jefferson considered the Barbary conflict to be a sideshow, because during the same time, the United States faced challenges from much more powerful foes, fighting the Quasi-War with the French, 1797 to 1800s, and the War of 1812 with the British, 1812 to 1815. So keep in mind, if so-called the United States is fighting all of these wars with all of these nations, when do they have time to pick up all these slaves from Africa? You see how this shit is cat on top of cat? Interesting, man. Yet, their status as a sideshow makes the Barbary Wars an effective window onto United States' struggle to extend its newly won independence to overseas commerce. If Americans could not trade in the Mediterranean because of petty tyrants, as Jefferson's Republican Party dubbed the Algerians, then the idea of free trade would remain a chimera. While the characterization of the Barbary states as petty was largely uh, correct, it must be noted that the United States in 1783 was an equally petty presence in the Atlantic, which was dominated by great Europe uh, maritime powers, Britain, France, and Spain. The Moroccan and Algerian captures in the 1780s exposed United States as a weak confederation of minor, jealous states that had neither the will, nor the power, nor the treasury, to protect its merchant ships. See what's going on? The U.S. was a little nigga out there in them seas, and they had no protection. And after they 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 uh, got their independence from Britain, that means they had no protection from Britain on no those seas. Which means it was fair game out there. So they had no backing by any nation, and they was fighting with all these nations. So how did they have the time, and the and the bag, and the muscle? to go steal some people from Africa, and then come steal some land here to make a colony. It don't make no sense. Historians and popular writers had debated the place and meaning of the Barbary Wars in American history, particularly since September 11, 2001, attacks on the World Trade Center in New York and the Pentagon in Washington to make sense of current events in the region. Journalists and scholars have searched for historical origins and context, that would help explain such events as the bombings of Libya in 1986, the Gulf War in 1991, and the war on terrorism. Regrettably, much of of what we learn from, from present works tells us more than the present than about the past. In one scholarly treatment of the Barbary Wars with the United States, the focus is on the Muslim world and the specter of Islam, another work views the Barbary Wars as a holy war of Muslims against the infidel invaders several popular writers and commentators emphasize religion as the primary influence shaping hostilities between the United States and the Barbary States some uh, chauvinistic books point to the Tripolitan War as an example of American morale technological and intellectual superiority in the toppling and ruthless enemy. After all, it was that war that inspired the refrain in the U.S. Marine Corps, him, to the shores of Tripoli, right? To the shores of Tripoli, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. And this is the song that the Marines sing. This is where it came from, talking about the Barbary Wars, But when you talk about the Barbary Wars, you gotta talk about the Barbary slave trade. The Barbary slave trade where these so-called whites were being enslaved in Africa. So if they was being enslaved in Africa, how was they taking slaves from Africa? It can make sense. Certain American religious leaders likewise saw religion as the principal influence guiding the conflicts between America and the Barbary states. We're gonna bounce around. Evidence aboard that neither the pirates nor Americans considered religion central to their conflict. From his 12 year imprisonment at Algiers, one American captive concluded in the 1790s that money was the Algerian God and that the pirates were far more interested in taking prize than in waging holy war. So they saying, this shit had nothing to do with religion, my G, (laughs) the Moors were, were enslaving these white captives they wanted the bag so these so-called US ships would be cruising on the seas without permission they would seize the ship and they would say give us the ransom to get back your captives now this is one so-called captain that was enslaved for 12 years the US couldn't raise the money for the ransom they had people in churches trying to raise money to buy back their white slaves <laughs> you don't say from Africans really so these people would, would seize their ships And for years, they would try to raise this money to get their people back. And many of them were enslaved indefinitely. Many of them, you know, later killed because the ransom wasn't paid. Going on to say, uh, where are we? All right. uh, Taking prize then in waging a holy war. President John Adams and the U.S. Senate kept religion out of the negotiations. The Tripoli Treaty in 1797 explicitly declared that the United States was not a Christian state. Hmm. United States was not a Christian state. Many of the presidents all had a Quran and a Bible. That's why they keep this shit out of history. They don't want to talk about this. Continuing on, the book argues that the Barbary Wars was uh, primarily about trade, not theology and that rather than being holy wars, they were an extension of America's War of Independence. Americans expected their trading partners in 1783 to embrace the revolutionary principles of 1776 and governing commerce on the high seas. Having overthrown British imperial government and won the right of home rule, Americans based their case on such natural rights as liberty and equality. Hm, right, Claiming the freedom to be governed by representatives of their choosing. They took their place as an independent republic and insisted on equal standing within the community of nations. At home, Americans embraced such revolutionary rights as that of freedom of religion, which came to mean liberty of conscience for all individuals in separation of church and state. This is key. In foreign trade, Americans hoped that the principles of equality and reciprocity would govern overseas commerce. Specifically, they wanted free access to all ports, and they expected no trading partner to impose duties higher than those the United States levied on the same goods. Further, they wished to enjoy most favorite nation status. Look that up, most favored nation meaning that rights and regulations on U.S. goods would be the same as those placed on their commercial rivals. While 1783 marked the official resignation of its political independence, the United States in that year was beset on all sides by barriers to free trade. Spain blocked access to the Mississippi. Mississippi, remember what I just said, Mississippi River connects to the Nile River. We was going, doing trade back and forth from Africa since millennia, but they saying that Spain blocked access to the Mississippi. Now keep in mind, Spain, before it was called Spain, it was our land of Luce, ruled by the Moors for 800 years. So we got to put this in context. Later, the people that will be called Spaniards, these are different people that took over the land, but the inhabitants of Spain, which was our land of Luce, where did these people go? But remember. If you look at some of the old maps, the Spanish empire was Louisiana. (laughs) These people wasn't fleeing a foreign land. They was talking about all the lands in America that later would become the United States. Remember the Louisiana Purchase, 1804. Before that, these lands were not a part of the United States. So it wasn't slavery on all 50 states because they wasn't states. See what's going on? Now, if you look at old maps, when they say it was fighting other countries, they was talking about indigenous free people that was on lands that wasn't a part of the 13 colonies. This is key. because they talk about the Spanish-American war, they were fighting Moors, i.e. so-called melanated people, indigenous people. Spain blocked access to the Mississippi and the Britain prohibited, prohibited trade in the British West Indies. Remember, the West Indies. Salute to all my people from the islands. All the same people we talking about. They didn't steal slaves from Africa and drop them off on the islands. We talking about indigenous people that was already on the islands. Melanated. That was another lie they told. Moreover, the British Parliament, hoping to reduce America's threat as a commercial rival, sought to keep the United States subject to the same erroneous trade regulations that had vexed American merchants before the revolution. Remember the Boston Tea Party, when they was throwing tea in the river because they was getting overtaxed by Britain? All of that's key. The most overt and and bellicose attacks of the U.S. trade came from the Barbary pirates, the Moors, who in 1784 and 1785 captured American vessels and enslaved U.S. citizens. So if these so-called U.S. ships filled with so-called white people got enslaved by the Moors in Africa, when did they go steal people from Africa to bring them here? Pay attention. Those raids by Moroccan and Algerian corsairs were powerful signals that if the United States were to enjoy the principle of independence beyond its borders, it would have to fight for them, just as it had fought for home rule. To understand the Barbary Wars, one must pay attention to the context in which they took place. That necessitates first understanding the Atlantic world both its origins and its geographic, political, and commercial boundaries in the late 18th and early 19th century. The Atlantic world emerged during Europe's Age of Exploration, beginning in the late 15th century, and by the time the Barbary Wars, its physical dimensions were extensive. On the eastern side of the Atlantic, the region included Western Europe and West Africa, and on its western side, eastern seaboards of north and south america so we're talking about melanated people on both sides see what's going on that's why they had to perpetrate that we stole you niggas from africa shit because all your ancestors were already originally on this land and they showed up and they don't want to give you claim back to the land let alone give you 40 acres and a mule let alone reparations and they keep saying that you're refugees from africa which part There's 52 nations in africa Why haven't they told you in school or any time in your adult life what part of Africa they took you from? Because you didn't come from it. Not to say that you're not related to the people from the continent. Remember what they talk about, blocking trade from the Mississippi? Right, because the Moors were doing trade on both sides of the continents. Melanated people. Goes on to say... It also encompassed two major seas, the Mediterranean and the Caribbean. The Barbary states were situated along North Africa's Mediterranean coast within the Kingdom of Morocco as the westernmost located along the Strait of Gibraltar, right? The Rock of Gibraltar. The three remaining Barbary states were the republics of Algiers, Tunis and Tripoli, moving eastward of Morocco. The United States in 1783 consisted of 13 states. So in 1783, where is this 400-year slavery story? <laughs> if they In 1783, they only had 13 states. Remember, they acquired the, a lot of this stuff after they fought a lot of the indigenous people of the land that they later would call so-called Indians. The Spanish-American War, the Seminole Wars, they was fighting people with locks that looked like the people in Florida right now with gold in their mouth but historically they got you thinking they was fighting some other people when they was fighting the so-called black population that they would later call Negroes and African Americans and all these other misnomers shots out to all my people in Florida Florida, land of flowers salute to all my Haitians out there, It's it's not ironic that you got a lot of these people from the islands in Florida and all that because they were already there They didn't get dropped off during slavery. Nope, my people was already on the land B. You are the original landlords. Goes on to say, the United States in 1783 consisted of 13 states from New Hampshire in the north of Georgia in the south with settlement reaching from the Atlantic to the Appalachian Mountains. The architects of the Atlantic world were were Europe's maritime powers Spain and Portugal had taken the lead in 15th century, followed by France, Holland and England. So these are the nations that participated in the slave trade. So now when we talk about reparations from so-called America, we need reparations from Spain. We need reparations from Portugal. We need reparations from Holland and England. Do do you see the greater conversation? That's why they're not going to get reparations, because You talking about all of these countries around the world that owe melanated people. See what's going on? 40 acres. Nigga, they they owe you about 400 acres with interest per person. Because the continents belong to the descendants of these indigenous inhabitants. Our people. That's why they got to keep changing your name. Telling you you something else. Why is it that we're the only people in history That got seven different names when you refer to us As a people The black vote What the fuck is, what does that mean That means we are coming to their community None of these niggas got unity And we could pimp off and tell them whatever To get their vote But remember Initially We were voting all together as one people That's why they created the KKK Which was a government organization Ran by the CIA That first was started Not to uh, racism and a hate group They was chasing us away from the ballot box. They was putting fear in our people so we wouldn't vote together as one people. Because when we did so, we could take over the government, put in our own candidates. See how this works? And that's how we was moving. After slavery, we we was moving as one people. What did we do when when they was pushing segregation? We don't want to be around you niggas. We created our own. Black Wall Street and a 100 other cities that that looked identical. And what happened? The angry so-called mob of whites Saw us doing for ourselves. And them poor thieves burnt Wall Street, Black Wall Street down to the ground in 24 hours. But still to this day, that's not called an act of terrorism. Why not? Because it's happening to a class of people that have no identity. Black has nothing to do with your damn skin color. Scientifically, your skin could not be black. Scientifically, their skin could not be white. Black and white are legal statuses. Black denotes to an unknown ancestry. They blacked you out of history. Black is a legal term that relates to civil or mortis. Your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. How do you prove that? In the 60s, they were marching for what? Civil rights. They signed the Civil Rights Bill in 1964, but Martin Luther King said, I felt as though I integrated my people into a burning house because in 1868, they already had a civil rights bill 100 years before. This was after slavery that they never honored. What did Martin Luther King say? The Negro finds himself in exile in his own land, kicked out of his own land. He didn't say Africa, he said here. And what did Malcolm X say? We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. He's talking about the first settlers in the colonies. We was here before the colonies set up. So we were here before the colonies. That means you were here before these people rounded you up and enslaved you on your own land. They didn't steal us from a land, they stole the land from the people. See what's going on? Continuing on guys. France, Holland, and England, all were motivated primarily by the quest for riches. They all said it was money over here. They all were looking for gold over here in our land. The desire to expand the Christian faith and the hope for advantage over their political rivals 1492, Spain launched the first transatlantic expedition by sponsoring Christopher Columbus's voyage, seeking a Western trade route to the lucrative East Indies. See what's going on? The East Indies, we talking about these islands. Remember they call these niggas Indians? They were talking about going to the islands, the Caribbeans. Don't they call most of our people West Indians? If you're a West Indian, doesn't that mean they call the rest of the people Indians too? Do you see what's going on? That's why the the term, oh, you got Indian in your family. Well, why do they call people from the islands West Indies? Well, where the hell is the East Indies? Where's the North Indies? We talking about the Americas. See what's going on? They called all of us Indians because Indian wasn't like, oh, these people with feathers in their head. We wore feathers. Many of us didn't. We practiced multiple religions. But when they're calling someone an Indian, they're talking about the indigo people, people of many shades, because when they showed up here, that's what they saw many shades of melanated people these niggas are indians <laughs> henceforth they called the islands the west indies here we go we connecting them dots Columbus's uh, voyage seeking Western trade into the lucrative East Indies, the source of food, food, spices, and fabrics that Europeans demanded. See, our people were growing spices and all that stuff on the, on the islands for millennia. See what's going on? They didn't steal these people from Africa and drop them off in the Caribbean, drop them off in the islands and say, these niggas are from Africa, and nah, buddy, remember, order for you to work the land, you had to be of the land, see what I'm saying, you had to know how to, how to turn the soil, you had to know how the seasons change, why would you steal a people from a land they never been to, and just wing it, roll the dice on, yo, maybe they're going to grow the crops for us, if you don't grow no crops, you don't eat, you don't eat, your population dies out, and that's what happened in the first uh, colony that they tried to set up called Roanoke in Virginia, before the one they set up in Jamestown, where all the so-called white settlers died out. Couldn't plant food on the land, didn't know shit about the soil. Now how you gonna take niggas from Africa that also don't know shit about the soil? <laughs> Why not just take the people that look like the people in Africa and just call them Africans? Bingo. Make them non-descendable. All right, let's check where we at on time. Columbus's voyage, right? They were seeking uh foods, spices, and fabrics that Europeans demanded in greater and greater quantities while failing to find the desired shortcut. Columbus and the explorers who followed him discovered a new world in the Western Hemisphere when they planted European colonies, including New Spain, New England, New France, New Amsterdam. See, before they was called like, for instance, New York was called New Amsterdam. See what's going on? They, they, These countries that would come to steal the land from the indigenous people, they would name these so-called states, which were countries at the time, after the people that took over the land. So they had old maps that said New France, New Spain. Louisiana was considered New Spain because it was a part of the so-called Spanish empire, i.e. the Moorish empire that was renamed by the people that colonized it. See what's going on? You gotta look at these older maps, guys, because the older maps put this thing in context. We keep thinking that, you know, 50 United States when there was no 400-year slavery shit. That's all cap. That's to make you non-descendable. Put that word up, please. Each sought wealth by extracting valuable commodities from America's land, forests, and seas, and each exploited Native Americans and African slaves from the harbor required to gain those riches. See what's going on? They used Native Americans and African slaves interchangeably. They talking about the same fucking people. Now we're talking about these later mixed Mongolian tribes, mixed with so-called Mongolian part Asian niggas that had the straight hair that they put on reservations. These were the later tribes. They were not the original indigenous people. The real indigenous people, they later classified them as Negro blacks and colors. In 1780s, American goods were traded in the Atlantic world that was anything but free, and each of the great maritime powers hoped to gain sufficient wealth from the new world to dominate the old. Locked in fierce commercial and political competition, the Europeans followed the dictates of the mercantilists, a set of perspectives and strategies aimed at amassing the greatest wealth which they believed translated into dominating powers using american riches each hoped to build an army and navy powerful enough to defeat its rivals mercantilists faced a twofold challenge to extract more wealth from america they did than did their competitors and to keep that wealth within their perspective empires empires see everybody was trying to have an empire but they all were carving up the empires of the so-called old world Moorish empires. In the early stages of exploiting newly discovered America, each of the European powers sought wealth by discovering, extracting, and exporting gold and silver bullion from native deposits. Spain was the clear winner, striking it rich at the Potosi mines and shipping tons of silver back home english explorers failed to find similar veins in north america and relied instead upon piracy to confiscate bullion from spanish gallows for their exploits sea robbers such as francis drake became england's mercantilist heroes so they basically was stealing gold from whoever found it first recognizing that gold and silver did not abound everywhere in the americas uh, europeans sought wealth through trade and that in Britain and that in Brit Britain, Spain, Spain, and France built close colonial trade systems. So they all bossed up together. The idea was to plant colonies in America whose settlers would exploit the land, forests, and seas for exportable commodities to be shipped only to ports within the Empire. Ideally, the colonies would produce sufficient quantities of food and fiber to make the empire self-sufficient, ending the need to import raw materials from the outside. And what I said earlier in the book report series, I go over a book, How to Hide an Empire, The Greater United States. You guys gotta check that out because it all ties in together. So we're gonna bounce around. Beginning in 1650s, England, Passed a series of navigation acts aimed at ensuring a tight seal around its closed colonial trading system competing with the Dutch remember the Dutch the French the England Portugal all of these people owe us reparations from slavery that's why they won't give up reparations because now it opens the doorway for us to tax all these other countries that owe us big facts until I know handout, you niggas owe oh, my ancestors and the descendants of the ancestors who had emerged, uh, competing with the Dutch, who had emerged as a powerful maritime rival. England enacted measures to deny the Dutch any benefits from trade with British North America. That meant finding clo- closed closing markets. England's American settlers were forbidden to import goods from Holland or to export commodities to Dutch ports. Now keep in mind, when they're talking about Dutch ports and Holland ports, we're talking about the United States, i.e. before they were the states, i.e. the Moorish Empire. So when when one land showed up, yo, this is our port. We gonna hold it down. So they would set up their, their gunships and try to protect the land and then kill off the people of the land, rename the people, enslave the people, so our people were never slaves from Africa. Prisoners of war on their own land, POWs. Let's get it right. England's American settlers were forbidding to import goods from Holland or to export commodities to Dutch ports. Moreover, the Navigation Act disallowed all foreign vessels from playing any role in American commerce. During the period of 1783 to 1886, The Atlantic world was in upheaval. The wars between Great Britain and France followed the French Revolution of 1789. All of these wars going on, when did they have time to steal people from Africa? Big cap. The French Revolution War of 1789 put American commercial vessels at peril. Neither of the combatants recognized U.S. neutrality rights. Both captured American ships confiscated their cargo and imprisoned their crews so these US ships were getting enslaved in Africa they were getting enslaved by Britain by France by Spain themselves when did they have time to go steal millions of people from Africa see they later classified our people as ex-slaves on the census records so the population of so-called slaves increased only in numbers paper see how this works they made you a slave by way of classification not to say that many of your ancestors weren't prisoners of war for some periods of time but it wasn't 400 years because the united states wasn't even born 400 years make it make sense barbary wars must be understood within the context of domestic politics in the early american republic as well The first Barbary raids occurred under the Articles of Confederation, look that up, which left effective governing powers in the hands of the individual states. The National Congress, remember, each state was their own country. The National Congress had no independent taxing authority and thus lacked funds for negotiating with or fighting the Barbary states. Man, this is powerful stuff. When, for example, Americans uh, commented on Islam, they were likely to turn the discussion to a scrutiny of religious intolerance among certain sects in the United States. And when Americans denounced the Algerian captivity of U.S. citizens, they also decried the barbaric, unchristian slaveholding in the South. So keep in mind, many of these abolitionists were against slavery here in America because these so-called whites were getting enslaved off the coast of Africa themselves. (laughs) Wow, you don't say. In the months of November and December, 1783, that is just after Britain recognized the United States as a sovereign state, then expectations were high that the two nations would, would prosper under reciprocal trade agreements. But at last, a very different climate prevailed just two years after the Treaty of Paris, Now Adams continued the uttermost contempt of our commerce is freely expressed in the pamphlet Gazette, coffee houses, and a common street talk. Rather than becoming America's main trading partner, Britain had reinstated and even reinforced trade regulations through navigation acts that blocked the United States from lucrative markets and extorted high tariffs and others. They still was getting taxed after their so-called independence. Britain had reinforced uh, right, their trade regulations. At the same time, Algiers declared war on American shipping. After independence, instead of becoming an equal partner in the Atlantic, in the Atlantic world, the United States was again a dependent subjugated by British trade restrictions and defenseless against the Barbary pirates, the Moors. Americans viewed the pirates as vestiges of an un Enlightened and vanishing time when depreciations of powerful, of the powerful not the rule of law, dictated the rhythm of trade. American independence promised to usher in the Novos Ordo Securum right? New World Order. A new age of a new age that would transform the tribute demanding Atlantic into a free trade zone. So when they talk about that New World Order, they're talking about we're not gonna be white slaves anymore. We're gonna be able to open our own free trade around the Atlantic. That's why that's printed on a dollar. Thus Thomas Jefferson spoke for many of his countrymen when he envisioned an end to the old mercantilist system. We're talking about the Moors, the Moors way, the Moorish empire. I would say that, meaning anytime we seized your shit, you had to pay tribute, We taxing you. I would say then, to every nation on earth, Jefferson declared, just a week before the Algerian captured the Boston schooner, Maria. So there was a ship from Boston called the Maria that got seized by the Moors. Your your people shall trade freely with us and ours with yours, paying no more than most favored nations. In order to put an end to the right of individual states acting by fits and states to interpret excuse me interrupt our commerce or to embroil us with any nation free trade would help everyone americans argue expanding the overall volume of commerce so greatly that an individual country would benefit from even a modest share such reasoning made no sense to the barbary pirates they too subscribed to the notion of zero sum gain there was a fixed amount of trade available and thus what one country gained was always at the expense of another. While American merchants and Barbary pirates confronted each other from a very different orientations, neither controlled the arena in which they clashed. In 1780s, both parties were on the margin of an Atlantic world dominated by the great European maritime powers. To understand the Barbary Wars, therefore, it is necessary to consider American Barbary relations within the larger context of the Atlantic world and the aims of those who wish to keep the renegades from North Africa Moors <laughs> and their upstarts from North America on its fringes. Events needed to be viewed from London as well as from Algiers and Philadelphia. One example was would it, would suffice. In late 1784 and early 1785 while deploying a naval squadron to patrol the Mediterranean and thereby protect His Majesty's shipping, the British circulated reports that the Algerians had captured an American ship and planned to seize others. Though the reports proved groundless, the damage to American shipping was real and immediate. Continue on, under British rule, American merchants had been expected to operate within a closed colonial system of trade that funneled imperial wealth and profits into the city of London. And London is still where they hide all the money, still to this day. America's paying tribute to London, to Britain, to the crown, thereby enhancing the crown's geopolitical power. But during the tumultuous decade leading to England's Civil War in the 1640s, colonial commerce received very little attention from Whitehall. With the downfall of the British monarch in 1649, and the dismantling of the house of lords domestic politics not colonial trade uh, predominated in commonwealth england the navigation acts of 1650 to 51 represented the sole attempt during the commonwealth period to ensure that the colonies remained subordinate to the parliament and to all colonial trade was carried in english ships but inadequate enforcement allowed the colonists to evade the measures we're gonna bounce around. We're gonna bounce around because I, I want to qualify a lot of this. They had something called the Sugar Act, which would generate an additional forty thousand pounds sterling by placing duties on a number of foreign goods, much demanded by the colonists, including coffee, sugar, and wine. Right? Remember the Boston Tea Party. So they was taxing the hell out of these nicks. Republicans opposed such measures in the name of freedom taxes they argue threatened property and property represented the foundation of political independence right because the sole identity of a so called free white person is a property owner that has the right to vote got nothing to do with white skin property owner that's it to protect that sacred status republicans advocated vigilance and virtue vigilance to detect any uh, menstrual grab for additional power and virtue to resist the temptation to sacrifice civic goods for private gain. When the first Continental Congress convened in Philadelphia in 1774, the delegates identified trade restrictions as the first claims that enslaved the colonists. (laughs) Trade restrictions enslaved the colonists who would enslave humans. Hmm. Addressing Parliament on behalf of the Congress, John Jay cited the new imperial measures enacted since the end of the French and Indian War. See, the French and Indian War. They were fighting indigenous melanated people. That's why they won't really go into that shit in history class. And the final steps in a plan for enslaving your fellow subjects in America. But even before those all this this acts, uh, John wrote, Parliament through the navigation act has systematically drawn from us the wealth produced by our commerce you restrained our trade in every way that could conduce to your a moment he charged parliament and you exercised unbound sovereignty over the seas you named the ports and nations to which along our merchant our merchandise should be carried and with whom alone we should trade with the passage of the Stamp Act in 1765, Americans began to think that British oppression of their rights outweighed the advantage that his majesty's navy afforded. So they saying we was getting more taxed than us paying money for protection. So it's like, nigga, should we fight to get out of the, you know, oppression of your taxes, or do we keep paying money for protection? But it cost them because once they no longer had Britain's protection, they was getting attacked on those seas, so they couldn't ride around doing trade with their ships, and they damn sure couldn't go around stealing people. And they, they was at war with everybody at the same at the same damn time, at the same damn time. <laughs> In his best-selling *Common Sense*, 1776, the radical revolutionary Thomas Paine made a compelling case. For the connection between independence and free trade aimed at fence sitters, the widely read uh, pamphlet argued that if the colonies served, uh, excuse me, if the colonies severed their ties with Britain, American overseas trade would flourish. To those who feared that the loss of British military protection would encourage European powers to attack American ships that crossed the Atlantic unescorted, Payne answered, our pain is commerce and that well attended to will secure us the peace and friendship of all europe because it is the interest of all europe to have america a free port to those who maintain the american trade would suffer if the colonies left the british empire and its guaranteed markets Payne replied our corn will fetch its price in any market in europe and our imported goods must be paid for uh, must be paid for when we buy them where we will. An independent America would have all of Europe as its proper market for trade, a far larger field of opportunity than the higher restricted markets to which dependent America was confined under British rule. In drafting the Declaration of Independence six months later, Thomas Jefferson recast the free trade argument in the language of natural rights. All persons, he argued, in the rhetoric of political economist John Locke had certain rights that no government could take from them. We're talking about inalienable rights. Look up inalienable rights, including the right to own property and the right to dispose of it at will. By restricting the colonists' ability to sell their goods under terms of their choosing, Parliament had violated those rights. Americans, by dissolving all connection with, with Britain, could reclaim them. With the Declaration of Independence and the outbreak of war, Americans lost all protection against uh, piratical uh, predations in the Mediterranean, meaning it was fair game. These niggas had nobody backing them. And this is why the Moors started to seize their ship and enslave these white captives. White slaves in Africa, you don't say. <laughs> Look up the Barbary Wars and the Barbary Slave Trades. Uh, worse, the British Navy Shifted its role from defending Colonial trade to Indicting it and blockading American ports Recognizing that the fledging United States Lacked an adequate Navy See, they didn't have no Navy at the time Congress sought help from abroad In a letter dated December 21st, 1776 The Committee of uh, Secret Correspondence Instructed Benjamin Franklin, Silas Dean And Arthur Lee commissioners representing the revolutionary states in Paris to draw France into the conflict by whatever means necessary. Not only was it all important for America's military operations that France should enter the war as soon as maybe, there was also an economic motive. With its war debts mounting, the United States needed revenue from overseas trade and as the committee noted, the British recall of their Mediterranean passes in an object of great consequence. Without a naval escort, US ships were vulnerable to the Barbary pirates, moors. Consequently, the commissioners were instructed to intercede with the court of France to prevent the mischiefs that may be derived to American commerce Therefrom, In the resultant Treaty of Amity and Commerce in 1778, France pledged to provide for the safety of the said United States against all uh, depredations on the part of the states of the barbary. So this is how they end up getting in the war with France, Britain, Spain. So they said, we ain't fucking with Britain. We want our independence. Britain say, all right, little nigga, you on your own. No protection from us. So then they they would pay France a tribute to get France to protect them from Britain. So you see how they wouldn't pay the tribute to France? France said, all right, fuck that. Y'all back out on your own again. So America would pay for protection, then not keep up the payments. That's how they ended up in wars with all these other fucking nations. This shit is powerful. This is why they don't mention this 33-year war in nobody's history class, even on the college level. Nobody covers a class on the Barbary Wars. That should be a damn class in itself. With the military assistance of the French in 1781, the United States defeated the British at Yorktown and what proved to be the last major conflict in the war. See, when they were fighting these wars, they were fighting these wars in the colonies. Let's bounce around. Under the Confederation, only the individual states had taxing authority, making Congress dependent on them for the means to advance and protect American interests abroad qualify let's qualify i want to i want to add something else here the moroccan treaty had given some americans hope of converting the barbary states into thriving commercial centers such optimism had emerged in the late 1780s when american ships arrived at morocco ports and traded iron and 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 specie for mules encouraged by that beginning americans longed to trade with algerians and the other piratical states. Moreover, they considered the 20,000 or 30,000 rendered to the day of Algiers a small price to pay for gaining new trading partners. So they was paying tribute to, to Morocco, to Africa, to the Moors in Africa. North Africans insisted that piracy be understood within its historical context. Americans in Europe viewed the Spanish reconquests as a legitimate reclamation of territory and sovereignty. The Moors saw it differently. They pointed out that a longer view of the struggle between the Moors and Spain reveals that the real pirates and kidnappers were Europeans. When Spain expelled Muslims from Iberia, see see what's going on? When Spain expelled Muslims from Iberia, so they're talking about Before it was Spain, it was called Al-Andalus, ruled for 800 years by the Moors, melanated people. When it was taken over by these people that later called themselves the Spaniards, pale skin, they expelled these these people out of Spain. But when they talk about kicking you out of Spain, they're talking about the so-called Spanish empire, i.e. the Moorish empire. So many of these people were fleeing the states that would later be called the United States. Because on the older maps, Mexico, California, Louisiana, All of this was called the Spanish Empire, the Moorish Empire. They wasn't fighting all around the world. They were fighting here in America. And these nations were cutting up the indigenous empire. Got to keep this in context. When, When Spain expelled Muslims from Iberia, that Christian power confiscated their property. Property. See what's going on? They started to enslave the Moors. Later calling them Negroes, blacks, and colors, prisoners of war, POWs. When Spain, expelled Muslims from Iberia. The Christian powers confiscated their power, their property, denied the Barbary powers, favoring trading terms, raided their territory, and enslaved their people. See what's going on? Remember, 1492 is when the Moors fell. 1492 is when Columbus set sail for this quest. See how it's all tied together? Moors disappear off the face of the earth. They later called them black amors. Then they got rid of the word moor and just started to call you black. Same people. Raided their territory and enslaved their people. In a report to the American commissioners, Thomas Barclay, having heard the Moroccan... Uh, Vision, version of the reconquest explained that Moroccans raided Spanish ships because of Spain's atrocities during the expulsion of the Iberian Moors. On one occasion during the reconquest, the Spanish herd had banished 700,000 families. 700,000 families. Where did they go? They were in the Americas. 700,000 families, and on another, Ferdinand and Isabella had expelled 17,000 more. Remember, Ferdinand and Isabella was the one who paid for the expedition for Columbus to to bring his funky ass over here. Remember, he never stepped foot on North America. He made it to the Canary Islands. He made it to parts of uh, South America. His son Diego would later make it to North America. See, that whole hustle that they told us in school, that shit never happened. Columbus never made it to North America. And he was looking for gold, and that nigga was looking for Jerusalem, which was the biblical Jerusalem, not over there in Israel, where they show you on that new modernized map. He was looking for Israel, I mean, uh, Jerusalem, which was in the city in Peru, Cusco, Peru. That's where he was looking for the gold. On one or more occasions during the reconquest, the Spanish had banished seven hundred thousand families. Melanated people, so-called black people, and on another, Ferdinand and Isabella had expelled seventeen thousand more. These acts, in the Moroccan uh, telling, were piratical and justified. Any similar measure the Moors might take against the Spanish. Remember, the Spaniards—they weren't the original people of the land called Spain, because it was called Al-Andalus, ruled by melanated people, the Moors, for eight hundred years, the Moorish Empire. American negotiators realized that each side brought to the bargaining table competing historical interpretations that complicated negotiations. How could merchants and pirates find common ground when they proceeded from different, even contrary, historical and cultural assumptions? Moreover, what uh, confidence could American merchants have that pirates would even honor a peace accord? Europeans had long known that pirate treaties were observed mainly in the breach while there might have been honor among thieves there was none between thieves and their prey man this book is getting good this book is getting good Uh, the ancient terms had a doubling meaning the late 18th century it is its customary usage in referring to marauding uh, bands of uncivilized Germanic hordes the Vandals, Goths, Meany the Visigoths who had destroyed the glorious Roman Empire. In its modern meaning, barbarian referred to the inhabitants of Barbary, whose very name conjured images of lawless men. John Adams referred to the Barbary state such as a nest band- banditi, a metaphor that George Washington employed as well. In viewing the pirates as barbarians, Americans invoked dark images from antiquity that they reserved that they reserved for, for their worst enemy the term barbarian applied to anyone whose behavior was deemed unenlightened and was neither geographically specific nor entirely racially jur- driven native americans with their savage customs and benign views were categorized as barbarians see what's going on so they called the moors in africa barbarians they called the native americans barbarians they talking about the same damn people see what's going on indigenous melanated people that was here on the land that they wanted to colonize and they said these niggas are barbarians because they're fighting us back they're fighting for their land really so all of these wars they were fighting they were fighting indigenous melanated people dark skin that's why they had to keep changing our names because then you would connect the dots to all these wars who were they fighting in the Seminole wars people with locks in their hair and gold in their mouth right Seminole Indians (laughs) the people in Florida let's wake up guys let's wake up man it's it's a lot of stuff I wanted to add but you guys got to pick this book up so I'll just uh, add some more footnotes they would seize a lot of these so-called American ships and for years they would raise money in the churches to buy back you know their white slaves and they would pay tribute to Morocco they would pay millions of dollars in tribute to get these ships back and in fact america would pay for protection from morocco then they would pay some of the tribute money then they would fall behind on the payments then they would pay for more protection so like look here's how they had family fighting family you had the the day the bay right these are titles of moorish families the day the bay the owls the elves right the alis so now Let's say the United States get their ship seized by the days of Algeria. They would pay the days of Algeria for protection from the bays. So now they might owe one tribe some money and they'll pay for protection from the other tribe. So now you got tribes beefing with each other. This is how the infighting and all that started happening. This is how they end up enslaving and then eventually stealing some people from Africa, smaller populations, but it was never no millions of people. Like, we're all talking about the same alienated people, us. So, they would pay tribute, then fall back on the payments, then pay for protection. So, niggas wouldn't run down on them, like, where's my money at? You know what I'm saying? And they would have different tribes fighting against each other. In fact, they had one of uh, the emperors, excuse me, one of the sultans uh, backing them. One of the sultans was trying to help them fight, because they, you know, paid them some, some hush money. And that would get one country... In war with another country All while they still was together in enslaving so-called white slaves In fact They seized the ship That George Washington was fucking with And George Washington had to pay the tribute Before this nigga was the president You know what I'm saying? George Washington was made a so-called white slave They don't want to talk about that in history They don't want to talk about the 14 presidents the John Hansons and you know The guy on the back of the $2 bill The melanated brother that they don't want to show you Right, he's on the back of the $2, take a look The 14 presidents before George Washington We're talking about the Continental Congress Why are they talking about the Continental Congress? Because we're talking about the Americas At large Look up the OAS The Organization of American States You're going to find Brazil You're going to find all the countries in South America Are part of the American states Because each state is its own country Man, this is powerful shit Powerful shit uh where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Uh yeah, they, they got pictures in here of these ships that they were seized. Beautiful pictures. I just want to qualify uh one more thing before we go. Yeah, they would seize all kind of ships. And I and I mentioned this because if they was raising money to pay for ransom. They wouldn't have money to pay for expeditions to go to Africa to take so-called slaves from Africa. This shit was very costly. Each trip was 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 a heavy fucking sum. And you're talking about three or four months on the seas. That's how long the trip would have took. That's a long ass time, right? Imagine you got hundreds of hundreds of people on a ship, so-called slaves, and you got to have water for them for three or four months. Make that make sense. And food. And water and supplies for your crew? Come on, man. That's a heavy ass ship. Ship, The ship with a topple. Makes no sense. I want to just qualify one last portion and then we'll close out. Their uh, starting point was the recent religious uh, settlement reached in the, U- the, the US Constitution. The prohibition of a state church and the guarantee of free religious exercise to all. Using that model of unfettered religious freedoms, Americans condemned all religious coercion, uh, whether practiced by Britain and the Church of England or by Spain and the Roman Catholic Church or by the Barbary States and Islam. No two men were more deeply involved in the Barbary Wars than John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. After both had been instrumental in the fight for religious freedom and the United States, Adams had drawn a sharp distinction between church and state relations and the old and new worlds. In old world Europe, he contended both church and state enjoyed unchecked power, right? The Roman Catholic Church, the city of Rome, right? The Roman Catholic Church is its own city outside of Rome. They don't answer to nobody. Its own taxing system, its own police, Approaching uh, grasping refless, uh, restless and ungovernable power, the United States, once freed from Britain's ecclesiastical as well as civil oppression in 1783, determined that no similar church and state uh, tyranny would take root in the new republic. In America, the rule of law would prevail. The result Adams would argue was American uh, Protestantism characterized by toleration compared to Spanish Catholicism, and Algerian Islam, marked by tyranny. Indeed, in their struggles against Britain, Americans had denounced ecclesiastical as well as civil oppression. Regarding religious as natural rights, Thomas Jefferson had led the fight in Virginia for complete religious freedom. The individuals, not the state, he argued, should decide religious matters. Stop there. Powerful, powerful, history. I encourage everyone to add this book to your library. Powerful read. There's a lot of stuff I wanted to cover, but I encourage you to support the author. The Barbary Wars, The American Independence, and The Atlantic by Frank Lambert. This is the book report series. This is the Third Eye High podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I am your host, JF Bay, and I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch. And definitely keep your light lit. Give thanks for everyone tuning in. Give thanks for you spending your most valuable currency. You paid attention, right? So that's a form of donations. You can share the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. That's a donation. If you want to send a monetary donation, dollar sign, far outflow is my cash app. Dollar sign, far outflow, F-A-R-O-U-T, F-L-O-W. F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W. Dollar sign for our flow is the Cash App. Do you want to send a donation? But as I said, your donation was spent. First and foremost, you paid attention. So I give thanks. Salute to everyone tuning in. Until next time, this is the Book Report series, The Barbary Wars, American Independence, and in the Atlantic World. Until next time, peace, love, and more life. Wow.